Well, good morning, everyone. We'll begin timely, and if anybody else walks in, they can join us as they do that. Uh, We're going to have a shorter, somewhat service this morning. The kids will not be dismissed, so just keep the kids here through the service. Um, And we'll we'll be about an hour, probably, I, I would imagine. But we have some hymns to sing. We have some uh, scripture to read, and BJ's going to share from uh, a Christmas story for us or uh, whatever he has prepared. But let's open in prayer, and then I'll have a couple announcements, and then we'll, we'll do the reading. And we're hoping that those that are joining us, and if it seems like I'm talking to somebody else, I'm, I, I'm trying to address the people that's on uh, live stream, that if there's anyone out there, we're hoping that the camera and everything is working. I guess I'll find out later on. So uh, hopefully you'll be joining us on live stream this morning. So I'll pause a second and then I'll open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can come and be together with each other and be together with you on this Christmas morning, this Christmas Sunday. We don't get to do this, but every couple of years. And Lord, what a special day it is to be able to come on the day that we celebrate Christ's birth as he came to, to earth as, as man, as man God, to, to uh, take on his, his uh, great work of salvation for his children. And we thank you, Father, for those of us that are part of, of that great privilege. And Lord, we ask that you be with the service today. We ask that you will just help us to focus on Jesus Christ and his coming in the past and his coming in the future. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all that you do for us. We love you and we look forward to fellowshipping with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, probably the, the first announcement that I'll take a moment on is um, about Kathy Hapgood. For those who attend here on a regular basis or, or maybe know them from other uh, locations. But uh, as if, if you've been on the church emails, I've been sending updates. Kathy had a stroke last Sunday evening, and they ended up medevacking her to Reno to a hospital. And... Um, she has been there all week, and uh, as of yesterday, uh, she is still considered in uh, stable condition and uh, doesn't seem to have been any any changes, especially not for the worse. Uh, I, I'm, I think she's still in an ICU unit, but uh, she will, after today sometime, probably be moved into more of a... Um, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the term they use for it, a grave or guarded case, a guarded case. Uh, today is the day that is kind of the end of the critical period. So as long as there's no problems today, uh, it sounds like they will be able to move her into the next phase and begin to maybe work on some rehabilitation and uh, hopefully eventually, uh, I would imagine not for a few weeks yet, to be able to come back and, and do some of the things here. Bob has been with her uh, since um, the day of the earthquake. Uh, they left later that day, he and Jessica, his daughter. Do- and Jessica's come back, but Bob is, has been there and will probably be there for a while. So in the, mean- in the meantime, while Bob is out of the area or any other time through the year, 
the other pastors are still here. BJ is going to be covering the pulpit for uh, the uh, foreseeable future until Bob is able to step back in. So if you have any problems or concerns, just reach out to one of the elders and we will see what we can do to try to to get you your answer or, or meet your need, whatever that may be. But uh, please keep Kathy and Bob and their extended family in prayer, and especially for Kathy, as uh, she's going to begin uh, her process of recovery now and rehabilitation, and um, that I'm sure will be a, a while and, and have a lot of points of frustration for her. But um, we're thankful that God preserved her, and that uh, was able to get her to a hospital that can uh, obviously uh, take care of the needs that she has. So we're thankful for that. Um, if if you have not been getting the emails and you'd like to get that, that probably means that I don't have your email. So at the end of the service, just come up and give me your email address and I'll make sure to add you to that list. Um, we are, as I mentioned, uh, with the camera kind of jokingly, uh, you will find that there's more cracks in the building and uh, some things like the camera in the fellowship room. I tried this morning. It didn't uh, come up. So we'll be identifying other problems and working on them as we can. So bear with us on that. Mother Nature uh, obviously had other intentions for us. Um, we're still collecting socks and warm clothes. That's what the items are out in the foyer. Uh, for the rescue mission, we do this every every year around Christmas time. But we'll, we won't take it till sometime in January, so you still have time. If you're going to make any of the after Christmas sales or anything, might be a good time to grab some socks. Or if you have clothes, warm clothes in good condition, please don't bring your old stuff that you would probably really throw in the trash. Uh, if it's in good condition, then you feel free to bring those, and we'll get them to them, including kids' clothes. Uh, we mainly get men's clothes, some women's clothes. We don't get a lot of kids' clothes to give to them, and they do uh, meet the needs of kids, too. So feel free to, to bring any of those down. And the, the daily breads are available for you out in the foyer. If, if you are using those, or feel free to take some for uh, any friends or neighbors that you might want to share. And then just lastly, the um, offering box came off the wall. We'll eventually get it back up there. So if you're uh, um, doing your offering here at the church, the offering box is up here on the um, altar. And I just drop it in there for us. So so that's that's the announcements. And uh, I'm glad to, to see you here this morning. Hopefully everyone survived the, the earthquake and uh, with relatively little damage, hopefully. I haven't heard of any of our church family that has actually been injured in it, so um, I'm assuming that's still the case, and we praise the Lord for that, that it, it could have been a lot worse. So, But uh, be with, uh, keep our, our community in prayer as we uh, start the recovery process now. And uh, I know, especially in the Rio Dale area and some other areas, there's a lot of real damage uh, probably devastated some families in those areas. So keep them in your prayers. So being Christmas, we'd like to read the Christmas story. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1 and 2. And uh, why don't you stand with me in honor of God's word. 
And after I finish reading, uh, you're welcome to, to sit down or stand as we sing a few hymns. Uh, whatever you prefer is fine, but just ask you to stand if you can while I read God's word. This is taken from Matthew chapter 1, beginning in the verse uh, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, he was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. That's from the prophet Isaiah. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so as it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child would marry his mother, and and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, a dream or an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, 
according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. And this is the word of God. We've been celebrating the Advent together over the last weeks, and today we will be lighting the Christ candle. And uh, Ron and the Bell Choir, if you want to come on up and lead us in some singing. Merry Christmas. So I'm supposed to be leading you in singing, which I certainly hope I can do. Uh, came with a little frog in my throat. And so if it looks like I'm not singing, I'm doing something like it's, it's because the frog is active and, and doesn't sing well. Joined by a very, very good bell choir here. Just wonderful. And we're going to sing four Christmas songs. Okay. And so we'll begin with joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let her receive her key. Heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat, 
Three wise men came from 
happen to slip in bait to bass, uh, don't worry, it doesn't hurt as much in bass. <laughs> if you sing parts, please do. Come and behold him, 
Christmas. Great to see everybody here. I know it's been a uh, challenging week. Father, would you just thank you so much for this time? Thank you that um, you sent your son into the world to forgive sinners, to kill death, and to defeat the devil. And we thank you that you brought Jesus to Destroy the works of the evil one. I ask that you would help us to remember that. And even as pretty much this whole day is a day of remembering, we just know that we are a remembering people. We're to rehearse the same story over and over and over again because it's true. And I just ask that you would help us, help us to believe it on the great days, on the hard days, and everything in between. We just recognize that you are king. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, the title for the message is going to be A Christmas Story. Once upon a time, there was a woman, a child, and a dragon. 
I like stories. I like myths. If you know me at all, you know I like fantasy. And I like them because I think they tap into something that is deeply true. That, of course, doesn't mean that every fantasy, every myth that's ever been told is all true, but that there oftentimes are much to critique, but also much that are true, as true as the ground beneath our feet, as true as the person sitting next to you. And in biblical times, myths were all over the place. In Roman, think of the Roman gods, the Greek gods. It was clothed in myth. In our world, it's different. We live in a world of oftentimes scientific materialism. And of course, science is a wonderful gift of God. But oftentimes, certain ones reduce it to just molecules and atoms and skin and bone and wood and trees, and everything just gets smashed down to just the material world. And what fantasy does, and even what we know in our culture, you think about superheroes and superhero myths, and in many people's hearts, there is a desire for a story and a desire for meaning, which is why they keep making those movies over and over again and not making good ones anymore, but that's another story. Um, but the point is, is in, in all of our hearts, there is a desire for a great story, And yet, in the rise of atheism and things like that, it's just to flatten everything. It's just Mother Nature that shakes the earth. It's just um, at a hospital bed with doctors and noises and beeps. And everything just gets flattened to that. And that's not the only story. There is a much deeper reality. I love to read the kids' books, and we've gone through a few gone through things like Narnia, we're doing the Lord of the Rings right now, and we were just um, dealing with Gandalf and the Balrog, the fiery Balrog that came to attack them in Moria. And no matter how you feel about fantasy or myth, and I understand why some Christians have different views on that, but in that particular story, they are running and they are hearing The boom, 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 over and over again in the drums of the orcs. And all of a sudden a fiery dragon comes up and there's a bridge. And Gandalf stands on the bridge and he says, you shall not pass. And you've probably seen the movie. He actually says that a few different times in the book. And of course the Balrog takes him down. And Aragorn yells, follow me. And they run out the building and escape the mines of Moria. But Gandalf dies. And oftentimes you can make too much of, some people just want to turn everything into a Christian story or have churches that just um, have titles based on movies and TV shows all the time and that gets a little trite and ridiculous. But the point is, is sometimes there can be a truth in a story that is deep and absolutely real. And we read that today. And you'll notice in what was read today, there were things like historical figures mentioned. Herod. It's a narrative. It's a story. Herod dies. Um, There was another figure mentioned to tie it to actual history, that this was actually true, that the narrative is real, that the king 
has come and he was born a baby. And it was fulfilling prophecy from old. And that is a very historical picture. I want to share this morning something that actually gives a little bit more of a mythic and not mythic because it's false, but mythic because it is true. In fact, back to Lewis and Tolkien for a minute. Um, They were buddies and C.S. Lewis was talking to somebody in a letter and he mentioned this to a friend when he was kind of wrestling with faith and how Lewis loved the pagan myths. He says this, Now what Dyson and Tolkien showed me was this, that if I met the idea of sacrifice in a pagan story, I didn't mind it at all. Again, that if I met the idea of a god sacrificing himself to himself, I liked it very much and was mysteriously moved by it. Again, that the idea of the dying and reviving god, Baldur, Adonis, Bacchus, similarly moved me, provided I met it anywhere except in the Gospels. The reason was that in the pagan stories, I was prepared to feel the myth is profound and suggestive of meanings beyond my grasp, even though I could not say in cold prose what it meant. Now, the story of Christ is simply a true myth, a myth working on us in the same way as the others, but with this tremendous difference that it really happened. Some of the myths of the day. And when I say the day, meaning when the Gospels were written, were these. One commentator kind of sums a few up. One scholar properly labels this international myth because stories resembling this can be found in virtually every religion of the ancient world. In Egypt, the mother goddess Isis is pursued by the red dragon Set or Typhon, and flees to an island where she gives birth to the sun god Horus. In Ugaritic myth, the storm god Baal defeats the seven-headed serpent Leviathan and sets up his kingdom. In Mesopotamia, Marduk, the god of light, kills the seven-headed dragon Tiamat, who had thrown down a third of the stars. In Greco-Roman myth, the goddess Leto, pregnant with Apollo, is pursued by the dragon Python. She's rescued by Poseidon, who places her safety on an island. After Apollo is born, he slays Python. And then the commentator begins to speak of Romans 12, which, excuse me, Revelation 12, which we're going to read in just a minute. He mentions another scholar, Yarbrough Collins, has produced the classic study of these parallels and concludes that the Leto Apollo myth provides the closest parallel. The main question is why John, the writer of Revelation, would tell the story in mythical form. Yet this is not unusual in biblical context. Titles of other gods are applied to Yahweh in the Old Testament like the rider on the clouds, which was a title of Baal. In order to say that God has conquered the other gods and taken their names. The story of Jesus the stranger who meets the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke is deliberately given a form similar to another Apollo myth. The purpose of this is evangelistic. To say that what the Greeks have known only as myth has now been actualized in history. What the pagans longed for in their myths has now become true in Jesus. And so, we're going to read Revelation chapter 12, which gives us another view of the Christmas story. That once upon a time, but this time it's real, there was a woman, a child, and a dragon. 
Revelation 12. And a great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. The message says, eat it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she is placed prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered Him by the word of the Lamb and the words of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the stand of the sea. This is God's word and it is true. So, we're not going to get into all this. It's going to be quick. Okay? But Christmas is a tale of conflict. Christmas is a story of war. Some have said, Advent comes in the dark. And this week, in some ways, has been dark. We've seen the darkness of harm to health with Kathy. We've seen the shaking of the earth and the groaning of the earth, longing for the redemption of the sons of God. Some of you have probably experienced death this year, or in the last few years. And Advent comes in the dark. It's not just all hot cocoa and sleds and reindeer. It's not just Santa Claus coming down the chimney. Life can be hard. 
But Advent comes. That's how God comes into human flesh. Jesus the Messiah came in the dark. Herod chasing after all of the children to kill the king who was born. Behind that story is the other story. The heavenly one. The one we just read. A dragon wanting to swallow up and eat the child. The state, at times, not all the time, we can get ridiculous, especially in America. But that's another story. The state, at times, can be empowered by the dragon. You see that everywhere in Revelation. And so Herod, behind Herod, is the dragon, the serpent, the one from of old. And of course, this story began in the garden, right? With a woman. And God makes a promise to a woman. He says, one day, your seed, through childbirth, there's going to be a bruising. But your child will crush the serpent. And in this story, we see the dragon once again coming and wanting to devour the woman. Excuse me, to devour the child. And that woman is different figures. There's all kinds of debate about what she is. Is it Mary? Is it Eve? Is it the church? Is it God's people throughout history? The answer is probably yes. And the dragon tries to come and eat the child, but the child is caught up to heaven. So we've skipped all kinds of stuff there. What is that? That's the ascension. Christ is king. You have this picture of him ruling with a rod of iron. That's actually the symbolism of shepherd ruling like a shepherd king, like David, the shepherd king. And that he will rule all the nations and the nations that are empowered by demonic activity and the state which wants to rise up and be God will one day be overthrown. And so far too often books and people get hung up on when does all this happen and it's, is it all future and this and that. The point is, it's all of it. There can be a real beast. There's a real dragon. It's not just about the future. It's right now. And we find that the dragon does not win. So I think there's just a couple points. One, remember who the enemy is. And all of your politics and all of your relationships and all of that, remember there is a real enemy. And it is the dragon. And it is Satan. But remember this too. He has been defeated. He is lost. The king is ascended into heaven. The king has been resurrected. And the victory has already been won. It's not over in that there's still a not yet to come when one day he will fully and finally be defeated. But you need to remember who the enemy is. You need to remember the child is on the throne. So there's just a baby and then boom, caught up to heaven. What's that? Jesus, killed by Rome, killed in one sense by the dragon, looks like the dragon might have won, but Jesus is alive. And he has all authority. And he says, I have the keys and I've won it all. And death is defeated. Sin is forgiven. I am king. I'm on the throne. I have ascended on high. And it's hard to believe that. Sometimes. But it's true. You need to remember. You need to remember these loud songs that are sung. That the deceiver has been cast down. In John, there's a picture of when he is lifted up, that Satan falls to the ground. There's things like he falls from heaven like lightning. So Satan is lost, and he's upset. I would use a stronger word, but he's upset. 
and he's furious. And he's furious with God's people. And so what's our job? Our job is to endure with that message. To not let the accusations of Satan come at you and take you down. Because if you have trusted Christ, if you have not trusted Christ, you should be afraid. But if you have trusted Christ, you are in Him and you're in the King. And one day you will share the very throne of the King on a new heaven and a new earth. And so accusation can go out the door. The accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. And so, what do we do? We believe that. We rehearse the story over and over and over again. We rehearse it over and over again, not just from this pulpit, but we rehearse it by taking communion. We rehearse it in a meal that God really came. He really took on human flesh to defeat the dragon. He shed his blood. He gave his very life. And that he is alive. And so we share a meal. We rejoice. This doesn't mean we walk out and we get morose and sad and despair. Oh man, there's a dragon and it's a problem. Yes, it is. But what do you do? You hold on to the word of the testimony of Christ. You keep the commandments. You stand against a culture that exalts self and everything else against the ways of Christ. And you trust him. You endure by the blood of the lamb. That there was a lamb slain. And there was a lamb right now who rules as a lion. And the dragon has lost. No matter what happens in your life, at times it will feel like the dragon might win. But if you trust Christ, the dragon has lost, period. And one day he will finally and fully be defeated, cast into the lake of fire. And so we don't have to fear the great powers of Satan, sin, and death. Because we have the shepherd king who was on the throne and who gave his life for you. So let's believe that this Christmas as we enter into the warfare of everyday life. And we're going to do it by remembering his body and his blood for us. So as we sing this next song, if you'd like to come up, if you know Jesus Christ, if you'd like to come up and take communion, if you don't know him, please don't take communion. But let me tell you this. If you don't know Jesus, you know what it requires? Empty hands. I'm a sinner. I'm powerless against these kind of powers. Powerless against death, against my own sin. And I trust that Jesus has won the victory. And then you can celebrate and enter into the feast and open presents and go home and eat tri-tip or turkey or whatever to His glory. Because we can celebrate because he is one. So we're going to start that feast right now. All right? Come on up.
Okay, that's fine. They can they can go up there too if they want. And so tender am I Sleep in heavenly peace Sleep in heavenly peace Silent night oh, Holy night Shepherd's For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, again, Advent comes in the dark, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Well, Merry Christmas. Jesus is King. He is conquered. Let's go with that. Amen. You're dismissed. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Thanks for doing that today. Thank you for filling in. Frog and all. (laughs) Thank you, Martha. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yes, you're Lisa's mom, right? Thank you. Hi, Beth. Yeah. Take this thing off.